Do you think anyone listening is still awake? I'm surprised you are. I just flipped over here and just saw you nod <laughs> off. He's still there. It's it's surprising. Oh, crap, the camera's still on me. <laughs> It's Thursday night. That means you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 153. I'm John Congdon. 154. Yep. 54. What did I say? 153? That's because I wasn't here at the beginning last week. I missed it's, what it's number a, we're it's on. It's a you vegan for New Year's. You, you can't process anything anymore. Gotcha. Anyway, where, where'd I leave off? Oh yeah, me. I'm John. With me is Eric. Hello. I'm not even. I'm not even giving last names because I don't want people to stalkers. <laughs> you know how that goes. And Tom, right out. Oh, screw that up. You get. You get all the stalkers. Awesome. I. I am not giving out names. It is not safe. It is a serious security. Here's Thomas right out. <laughs> he lives at one two three Main Street. Uh, was I not supposed to tell people that? Nah, it's fine. Oh, another week. Okay. Another week has passed. Uh, we are at the end of May, just like that. So, so much. The year is almost I half know. over. And I was listening to our previous episode before this episode, and there was something wrong with that third guy that showed up last week. <laughs> I don't know. He was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was sharing with Thomas. Uh, the Th- Thomas messaged me. I think it was Monday night. He's like, hey, I got things going on. I'm having trouble getting this edited. Can you edit it? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll edit it. And it had to be, hands down, the absolute worst episode ever to edit. I mean, not only did you come in late, which once I got everything lined up, it wasn't that bad. Matter of fact, hats off to Thomas, who thought to have us do a clap check at the end of the show. Um, but once yeah, I got everything yeah, lined up... Handy. It, it it was okay, but your entire stream, John, echoed both Thomas's and I stream. So, oh really? Yeah. So every time Thomas or my I local spoke, recording one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You cleaned it up well then, because I didn't Thank hear you. that in there. Yeah. Yeah. It it was it was fun. I I was cursing. I was cursing at uh, Thomas the whole time. I'm like, I hate that guy. <laughs> That, yeah. that had have been because I was using my, uh... no, I had my headset on, did I? I don't even remember. I don't it was so remember. long ago. Yeah, it was, it was like seven days ago, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That was forever ago. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for making it uh, a hard edit. Nah, fine. So what's everybody been what? up to this There's... week? Anything fun? God, I wish. <laughs> Ah, the grind of development, the grind, the the day to the day to day. I I tell you, I love these people who come on and do a podcast like once a month, and they talk about all the good, cheerful things they worked on and all the cool new things. But no, you grind this out every week, and you try to talk about work week after week. It stops being so much fun. <laughs> I'm doing a I'm doing a big refactor, which. I I like refactoring. Taking I do too. taking three lines down to one line, and then all of your one line entries taking them down to three lines total, and just compressing everything out and getting it nice and speedy and readable. There was yeah, there was a hastily thrown together set of pages on my site that needed to be separated from the rest of the logic of the site, and. Uh, it, it's taken a couple days, but refactoring is fun. Well, I'm actually that's one of the uh, one of the talks I'm going to submit to PHP World was on refactoring using PHP Storm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, I love PHP Storm's refactoring tools. One of the uh, one of the talks you're going to submit. Uh, what else were you going to submit? Uh, I don't know. I was working on that on the plane ride home last week so i thought yeah. the difference between so php tech and php world was php world was supposed supposedly more focused on like solutions like uh like frameworks or drupal or wordpress or 
that that was the original goal was trying to bring all of these uh other people you know the wordpress people that maybe didn't feel part of the php community bring them into the overall php community uh i don't think that panned out as well in the marketing as they had hoped because you know the word the word camps and the drupal camps are still huge in their respective areas but they didn't get a lot of bleed over into the php world conference at least i don't think they did so it's still the goal is to make it all encompassing but honestly all php conferences are like that php tech wants those people too so i don't think they're as as segregated as they were back when it first started what five six years ago yeah. where they i think they possibly had a wordpress track i don't think they do that anymore so we have uh some listeners who are looking for our input on a couple of things do you guys feel like tackling some some input make it a call-in show no not not exactly i already i already have the the topic Actually, if there's somebody in Discord listening to the show right now, I would appreciate some feedback because I need to. I set up a new scene. And I don't know if I have it set up correctly. Um, that active speaker scene. In fact, let me cut over to that for a second, and uh, we can we can test it. So the the active speaker scene. I realized when I went back to watch the video, it was actually tracking all of our voices. Um, because isn't that how you would expect it to respond? Right, but but I had everybody in here separately as well. So on all the other scenes in OBS, for those who are wondering, uh, we use OBS. Um, so typically on all the other scenes in OBS, even when I do like like your single shot, John, if if you look at the scene, I have streams for Thomas and I because that's the only way our audio gets on the track. So even right. though it's showing you, I can talk in the background. Mm-hmm. That makes well, sense. Well, when I set that up for active active speaker, of course we had double streams everywhere. And what I don't know is like you just did, John, where you were talking while, right. I, while, I, while I was talking. I don't know if that gets captured or not. So it did switch over. Oh, that's that. It that would be interesting. So you're thinking that if we talk at the same time, that it's only picking up the quote unquote active speaker. So one. That, that's what I'm at a curious time. about. Yeah. Interesting. And I just try to talk well, over we, you, <laughs> just to test it. You were so you were supposed to be, yeah. So uh, so if we have anybody in Discord um, who wants to give us a thumbs up of whether or not that's looking, I guess I could I could open up. Uh, YouTube and check myself, but I'm not really going to worry <laughs> about it. too many clicks. Yeah, I'm not going to worry so much about it. Okay. Yeah, we're professionals. We're going to listen to our show while we do the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we want... So both topics are, are kind of heavy. Um, do we want to uh, make a lot of enemies or make few enemies? <laughs> Either way, we're going to make well, some we're probably gonna, We're probably going to cover both of them, so I would say it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know how okay. I'm, I'm inclined. It's All right, as, as many enemies as possible works for me. So so you both have homework today. Remember, 123 Main Street. You have to remind me at some point to throw up our Patreon page. The, this Patreon page here. Remind me that. And then remind me that uh, I have a uh, I have a nice topic I want to talk about as well. So don't let me forget that. Okay, let's if only talk. We had a place to put those ideas. Let's talk about uh, the first thing that came to me. Um, actually, the second thing, I'll, because I think the first thing is actually a bigger conversation. So I got we got a tweet today. Uh, I think. Everybody should have gotten it um, because it did go to PHP Ugly. And somebody said specifically, uh, referring to episode 153, last week's episode, what sort of alternatives are we looking at um, 
when we start to complain or, or grape about Laravel, what alternatives do we have in mind or, or what are we thinking? And I, I thought that was a good topic because it actually lean, leads into some of the things I'm working on um, as well. So so we do a lot of griping about Laravel. And I, I think that go, I think the bigger issue is overall that Laravel isn't the the answer to every problem. So it depends on what problem you're trying to solve. Okay, so let's let's start with that then. What, based on your current knowledge of Laravel and the years of experience that you have under your belt, and quite honestly, of the three of us, John actually has the least amount of hands-on experience with Laravel, but you know, he's been involved with a lot of the decision-making around Laravel. What if, what would you use Laravel for today, John? And what would you, let's start with that. Let's start. What would you use Laravel for today? Getting something prototyped and up and running quickly. Okay. That's fair. So what would you use to, for the, for the next phase to, to establish to write an application if you had to write start a new application um let's say it has a front end to it uh let's say it has some apis to it your general just your general mm -hmm. web app what would you use would you use a framework or would you go native what would you do it it really depends on um what i'm writing i think because with with our recent interview with rob allen and talking about serverless architecture like I said last week, I would be leaning away from a framework, going serverless, making putting the APIs up on something like AWS Lambda, and trying to minimize the code footprint as much as possible so that I could reduce my cost. You know, right now we write things in in frameworks, including Laravel, that have all this bootstrap time for every single request that comes in. When you look at something like Lambda, you're paying per co compute cycle, and that that container that it runs in has to boot up. So the more the more uh, code that's in there, like the full framework, the longer that takes to boot up. But I mean, aren't you talking fractions of seconds? It it doesn't matter for when you think about every single page request mm. that where you're paying per compute cycle that adds up okay. Okay. and when it comes to the boot up pro the, the boot up cost uh depends on how active your site is because it once it's up and running it stays running i forget for how long you're not gonna have have that cost associated there or that slowdown but still that first request that comes in that needs to start up a new container the more code that's there the longer that's going to take Okay. So your your kind of initial thought or opinion is you would you would seriously be looking at a serverless architecture right now and writing native with 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 the things that I'm looking at right now, which are very small applications. I I'm thinking that way. I really don't know because I haven't done it yet. It's mm -hmm. kind of a just a new a new interest of for me to look into that's that's fair it, it perks your interest that's kind of but i also i also want to say i don't really just want to chase the new shiny mm -hmm. it's really listening to the pros of going that way in our interview with rob that makes me say huh maybe i really should should really take a good look at this okay that's fair thomas same question posed to you um, would you use Laravel today? If you were to use Laravel today, what would you use it for? And would you have another solution for a different approach? Uh, my shop is a Laravel shop, so I don't have the, the pleasure of being able to just switch over to something new. Um, but if I were working on a new project, um, I would go with Symfony. Interesting. Uh, okay. Symphony Five lose, is coming out if, soon. If you had, I'm sorry, don't mean to cut cut you off of that, but that's what I mean. 
if if you had, if it was your call across the board, I mean, let's say you went and started your own shop tomorrow. Would you? Are you just saying from that moment on you would just have a hard stop on Laravel? You, you don't really see a place for it at all, or do you agree with John with hey for prototyping for spinning something up quickly? I wouldn't go with Laravel if I was doing prototyping. I would go with uh, the micro framework from Laravel, Lumen. Um, now, it, because I'm working on a single project and a single sort of monolith code base, I I can't just switch over to some other thing I want to switch over to. Um, but I also don't feel the need to. Uh, it's my mm -hmm. job to maintain the system in the state that it's in. And Laravel's problems are in the, the maintenance part for me. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not, call, I'm not calling you out. I'm not, I'm not trying, to, trying to get you to commit to... No, I'm just I'm trying know. to figure out how to, how to word it so that it makes sense. But because I'm just supporting this monolith, I don't have a problem with doing the maintenance work we're required for version upgrading. Right, but but his question was, if you left where you're at now and you started your own business or you were starting a new project that was completely separate. Yeah, so if I was going to be doing development on projects that I didn't want to constantly maintain, that I wanted to just update when I needed to and push them out there and let them be their, their own things... I would want to go with something more stable on the versioning side, like Symphony, or uh, I might even look at Cake. Um, but I'm also very interested in what I, where I ended up with React and GraphQL. Um, I wrote an entire application in Laravel, but. I really only had two lines of code in the Laravel code base, one for a route and one for a controller that returned a view. And that was all of the Laravel code. Everything else was the GraphQL library and React. So I would be really compelled to build an application in React or a similar you know, JavaScript framework. Oh, interesting. Uh, That's a good answer. And, and I know it's blasphemy on a PHP podcast to say I would just go with JavaScript, but <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's a limit to what you could do with JavaScript as far as client side JavaScript. Once you have actual business logic, yeah, the front end could be all JavaScript and uh, React, but the business logic is going to go somewhere. Yeah, um, but because of how GraphQL is structured, you can get a lot of business logic in your GraphQL queries in your backend. Right, but you still there's certain things you can't put into your JavaScript that is proprietary. Otherwise, you're giving away the secret sauce and you don't have a business anymore. Well, but with GraphQL, there's two types of queries. There's the back-end queries and the front-end queries. So the back-end stuff can have invisible logic in it that the front-end just calls the, the query engine to see. Yeah, I, I don't... I We're saying similar things, but the logic isn't just in the query. There's got to be code back there that's doing something. Right, right. Um, that's in the GraphQL server you put some logic stuff in there GraphQL oh, yeah. GraphQL queries have two parts there's the query definition and then there's the query being executed by the client so the query definition can have logic in it and when the client calls that defined query the logic gets executed on it but in your in your everyday um, application not all of your business logic is in your MySQL instance or Postgres or whatever other database you're using. There's other code that makes it all work. Right, but you can do a similar thing to stored procedures where you do have business logic in the query. 
Okay. Now you're making more sense. So. All right, Eric, same question to you. Cool. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I've already kind of, kind of exposed my hand last week. I, I am in along the same lines as you, John. I am going full board serverless for the immediate future. Uh, I've got um, some projects I'm working on that I'm going to force myself to really get a good understanding of serverless architecture, of where serverless benefits us as a company, and try to develop within that architecture. And as I said last week, I am open to, if that journey takes me away from PHP, to something that's more conducive to serverless, so be it. I do have a plan of attack. Um, as it turns out, I just finished writing some API endpoints that, that I had done in Laravel. So the first question is, would I still use Laravel? That's a tough one for me. Um, I mean, you know, ultimately, I'm so comfortable with it. Uh, I've built my business around it, so I know my developers are comfortable with it. Um, I would probably have some resistance if i were to spin up a new application today i would probably put up some resistance against uh, bringing it up in laravel uh, i'm very interested in continuing down my php path uh using something like symphony um, i have not used symphony in the past but symphony checks a lot of boxes for me as far as if i if i ever do need enterprise support if i you know, need a stable framework with, you know, good development uh, cycles behind it. Um, Symphony's checking a lot of boxes, and that's coming from an ex-CakePHP guy, who I'm still a huge fan of CakePHP, but I find myself, you know, looking at Cake sort of the same way I'm looking at Laravel nowadays, where if you're trying to get started, it's a great, it's a great framework to get started in. If you need to build a full application, if you understand the commitment you're making to to babysitting that code base, then you know it, it definitely has the the power to run big applications. Uh, we met with a client, um, well, not even a client. Um, we met with somebody today who came in and asked us advice on uh, getting their Laravel app um, up to date. And they were so far behind. They were back still on Laravel four that Oof. it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for them. I mean, but but again, they're a major version behind. So that would have been a challenge for any framework. More so with Laravel. I actually did my, some homework yesterday and went back and started looking at all the releases and you know, like we've complained about. I really kind of kept try to keep an eye for the releases that broke Simver, the ones that that had a backwards breaking change, but not a major release version. And you know, unfortunately, not to anybody's surprise, that was <laughs> that was a consistent thing. <laughs> so so I mean I can't honestly say that I, I would walk away I'm walking away from Laravel. I am definitely not. I mean we we have a huge Laravel code base out there currently with a lot of clients. So I'm I'm married to Laravel for a while, for better or for worse. Um, the idea of getting, at least getting nearly as proficient with another framework appe appeals to me. And within PHP, that would probably be Symfony. But again, all that's put on pause because my real focus right now is serverless. I don't know what I'm doing with serverless. Um, so back to what I was saying, I just completed a PHP application that had a bunch of endpoints to it. It's, they're just API endpoints that we're, we were developing for a mobile app. I'm actually going to, I've actually already done this, uh, take that Laravel application, which we now have deployed on AWS. It's it's running on EC2 instances. They're their own servers. They do auto-scaling, all that. I'm going to take that exact same code base, uh, make a few modifications, which are required 
to run with Breath, uh, which is the PHP library to allow you to run PHP applications on a serverless architecture um, and deploy, deploy that on serverless, on Lambda. Now, I've already done that, and it actually works. <laughs> I'm actually very excited about it. Um, the one thing, uh, so I have within within the API endpoint, um, I'm capturing response times, both within the application as a whole and the response time of the individual services is pinging. So there's there's a couple factors involved there. Um, I haven't gotten it fully functional because I don't want to cheat the serverless imp implementation. I'm trying to get the serverless uh, implementation to run using a DynoDB uh, instance. Um, and if there happens to be anybody out there uh, familiar with uh, DynoDB and Laravel, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Shokum. I'd love to talk to you because I actually have it working. Um, and Tinker, I can I can call my model for DynoDB. I can get my records. Everything works perfectly as expected. I can even create records. Um, I can even sync a MySQL database to DynoDB. Uh, it's all working very well. But for some reason, when I try to call DynoDB through the API, I'm getting this hash error, which I can't exact. I'm having trouble tracking down why, why there's a difference. But again, I don't want to cheat the serverless implementation. I want the serverless implementation to talk to DynoDB and then get that kind of response time. My next step is the big decision I need to make. Uh, do I want to try to recreate the endpoint using r regular PHP? Or do I want to extend on the arguments of not using a framework and not use a language that's not really designed for serverless and look at something like Node.js or the one that's been really appealing to me now, and I, I know the last time I mentioned this, I mentioned I was focusing on Node.js, but I kind of pivoted a little bit on it. I'm really looking at Go. Um, and the reason being is uh, Go is uh, a compiled language. So a lot of your errors are caught before you even deploy. Um, and then Hopefully. Go is... Right. And then Go is very fast and designed to run in a serverless architecture. So... I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between Node and Go. Um, I don't know where I'm going to land, but I'm I'm I don't know if I can't use a framework in serverless. I don't know if I'm going to use PHP in serverless because of because in my head the argument just extends. You know, it's well you don't use something you, you that's it's not designed for, and it's overhead. Well. PHP isn't designed to run serverless. PHP is overhead and serverless. So if I'm going to if I if I'm going to listen to that argument, I need to you know I need to listen to it all the way through. So that's kind of I think there, that's where my interests are today. Um, serverless, and I, I'm going to work through this experiment with. Uh, the Laravel app running on EC2 instances, a Laravel app running on a service architecture, which includes the data store, and then you know try to spin up another app that's, I don't know if it'll be PHP. It probably won't be PHP. It'll probably be either Go or Node and really try to get a sense of what the cost and um, speed differences are. And I'm yeah, excited. So I got to go. I've got to go register gougly.com real quick. Go. <laughs> our, our ugly serverless uh, real quick, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I, and I tell you, I, I mean, it's been a while for me since I've been this excited about development. Um, I love development. I love it through and through. But it does tend to start to grind on you after a while, especially when you're working on just you know the same project for you know months at a time so so who who are we supposed to piss off with that question was that the small group or the big group 
that was the big group. That was the Laravel. That was the Laravel world. So that that was the big group. The next the next one. Well, That's I don't not think gonna, it's gonna piss enough people off. No, no. <laughs> we've we've already pissed off all those people. They they stopped listening to us a long time ago. <laughs> okay, uh, real fast before we move on, or do you guys do you guys want to do you have any more questions for each other on that topic? Negative. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's yeah, see. Just gonna, right. I'm gonna have to think about it. You know, I I want to get into Symphony. I want to look at it, and uh, I I can't give you really the best answer until I'm more familiar with it. I agree. I I I have been a fan of Symphony from afar for a very long time, and I'm feeling like it's time for me to get a little bit more comfortable with it. And I think the thing that worries me the most is that I'm going to not like it. And and that that that's honestly that's honestly a concern of mine is is that I'm going to I'm going to start to use it and I'm going to realize, yeah, I, I don't I don't care for this. This doesn't work for me. So I'm more concerned about how I'm going to feel about doctrine, because as much as I I hate on Laravel. Eloquent man is just so nice. I love it. I'm pretty sure you can use Eloquent in Symphony. Yeah, I think you can too. I mean, Eloquent is just another composer package. But you mentioned Doctrine, and I'm in the process of imp- uh, it's being adopted on the main project that I worked on. Oh. So some developers have introduced it as, you know, an option to get rid of the very legacy data layer that's there now. And this week was all the developers doing a practice exercise of implementing something with, with doctrine to sh- just to get your hands into it and use it a little bit, make sure everyone under- understood entities and relationships. And I gotta uh, say it was, it was very interesting. Oh. So the, the, the little exposure I have to doctrine First thing, it, it seems like you're being pulled into a cult whenever I whenever I try to say the word <laughs> indoctrinated. But, yeah, but yeah. the annotations freak me out. I mean, you talk, I, I've heard people criticize Laravel and facades as being too much magic. Annotations to me just seems like complete black magic to me. I I, I see. I agree with you one hundred percent. There were times where I'm I was doing this exercise and I'm just like, all right, when I'm when I'm in two different entities and they're talking about each other, am I supposed to be using the property name or the column name? Because mm-hmm. because of the annotations, you can have in this case all of the tables have table underscore ID as the ID field. But most people nowadays are using just ID, right? So mm-hmm. In your entity, you could have your your property is just ID, and the annotation is saying, okay, but the column name is user underscore ID. Now I'm in an annotation in another another entity. Which what am I referring to? And that that caught me a little bit. And you, and you work through it. Yeah, I worked through it. That, I, I mean, does I, it make sense? I worked through the I worked through the exercise and and I got it all working. But I'm agreeing with you that the fact that it's so much is being done through annotations is just freaky and magic. Yeah. yeah. But my, my question was, after you worked through it, uh, were you able to make sense of it in, in your head at that point? Or or is it still? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely made sense of it. And I'm excited to, to give it a go and use it more. It's going to be a long, long road because this is a huge application, and the the current models are so hard coded to the the data layer that it's not just oh let me change out my data layer and I'm good to go. It's going to be a lot of refactoring, so it's going to be a very slow process, but it's going to be interesting. Interesting, interesting, and then. And, and this is just the database layer, right? I mean, you're not, that's all you guys are looking at. Yeah, for this. Yeah. It's, 
it's changing. They're using a, a database layer. The, they're using DB data objects, which was written for PHP four originally. Oh well, that's and, why that's why you've gotten so comfortable with it so fast. It, yeah, <laughs> and I, I've uh, bastardized it all to hell. Actually, brought it into the code base and bastardized it enough to make it work with PHP seven. So it it needs to go at some point. Wow, well, that, that's cool. Okay, so we do want to thank our Patreons, Patreons, Patreons. We want to thank our Patreons uh, for supporting us. I know we haven't been doing this on a regular basis, um, and your your money will will go to uh, something here coming up. Uh, like I said, I mentioned getting a, a uh, getting an intro outro for the show uh, and just standardizing on that. Then instead of John Thomas and I trying to mumble through it. Uh, so I will probably be. Doing hey, I that. wasn't mumbling. No, you did. I was you, trying to be funny. You're actually the you're actually the best intro that we have. So <laughs> that's sad. this week. You that's were a little mumbly last week. <laughs> so I, I do I do want to thank our our patrons. All right, before we move on to the next topic, um, I do have a shout out to one of our listeners that's who happened to post a um who happened to do a blog post recently and I uh wanted to share it on the show. Why why is our why is our scene that changing? Oh there we go. There we go. I got I gotta fix your uh screen here. Um there we go. Okay. Oh that's the wrong sorry, that's the wrong tab. Wait one second here. Uh let's come come over mm. here. There we go. Alright. Syntax Seed, who, if you are a listener in Discord, um, she is in there, or she used to be in there pretty frequently. I, I don't know she how much is. she's in there. Is she? Um, yeah. she has she has a great blog post out there. Uh, it's about a week old, a few days old now. Uh, called the State of PHP, where she kind of, she kind of runs down her her opinion of of PHP. Um, it's great if you're, especially just starting off with PHP or, or if you're considering getting more involved with PHP, because she does address some of the legacy arguments with PHP and, and why it's not so much a legacy, or why it's not so much an argument anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if you're interested in it, if, uh, if you're thinking about giving PHP a go, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast, but. Uh, check out Syntax Seeds, uh, Seeds, Syntax Seed, uh, blog post. We'll throw it in the show notes and, uh, make sure you give it, give it some love. I don't know if you can, yeah, it looks like you can, you can do like little hearts on here. I don't know. All these, all these blogging platforms now have all their different ways of, uh, of, uh, showing your appreciation for, for a blog post. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's a great, I mean, she contributes in discord a ton. Um, if you're ever interested, uh, she's very helpful. Um, always full of, uh, good information. Um, so check it out. Okay. So speaking of discord, um, that's where our second topic comes from. <clears throat> so, uh, somebody, it's funny. Somebody happened to mention how our Discord seems to run hot and cold. Like, it'll go completely dormant for a couple days. Then somebody will come in and ask a question, and it'll just be this flurry of, of, of messages for, like, the next three or four hours. Then it goes completely dormant again. Uh, but the conversation in Discord had come up, and it's kind of something we've talked touched on in the past, and it just seemed like another good time to bring up the conversation again. And it's kind of around, around the ethics of our profession. But whether or not we well, felt like... This. Whether or not we felt like there should be um, some sort of licensing or some sort of certification program within our profession across the board. So... Like you have, like anybody can say they're they're a handyman, but but you have to be a licensed carpenter to do, to get certain contracts, or 
or you have to be a licensed plumber to you know to to that says you adhere to certain standards you you can anybody can say they're a plumber but but if if you can hire a licensed plumber or unlicensed plumber you cannot hire a licensed builder or un, unlicensed builder and you know should we have that sort of practice within our profession where it's not necessarily saying you have to become a licensed developer but being a licensed developer carries a different level of a different level to it where maybe you can get government contracts where you know any run run by night guy who says he's a developer can't um isn't that what the php certification was supposed to be all about i don't think was it I, I don't. I don't think. I. I never not, thought that. Not necessarily. Not necessarily licensing, but I mean it. And it's it not. Was and I think meant we're talking, to be a tool to get you in the door. Well, yeah, but that's different. I mean, that's all certifications. That's actually how I got my start. I got a Microsoft certification, and I was able to get my everyone first got a ID. Microsoft certification. All you had to do was breathe, and they gave you one. Well, yes, hey, this hey, is true. <laughs> mine cost but, me eighteen thousand dollars. But that's the point, right? Is should there be an industry standard certification, not not language specific necessarily, but an industry standard certification that says, "Hey, this person understands basic web security. This person understands, um, you know, validations, and and if you hire this person, they have a knowledge base of uh, of a certain level. Like they're not they're not a beginner. They're not an amateur." Uh, they have experience. They have they have certain training under their belt. I mean, I think that that's the point. It wasn't necessarily a PHP certification or or a Symphony certification. It's just a an industry standard of hey, if you want to release something on AWS, you need to be a licensed developer. Like, if you're not a licensed developer, you can put something up on a shared hosting platform if you want. I mean, nobody's stopping you from <laughs> developing. But if you want to release something on AWS, if you want to leverage a system like DigitalOcean, you have to be a licensed developer. Or you have to work for a licensed development shop. Because we're getting to... Or, or if you want to work in the health industry, right? If you want to develop for the health industry or develop for the government, you have to prove that you adhere to certain practices, that you understand certain, you know, concerns and security issues. And you do that by having this industry license. I, at the risk of betraying my political beliefs, I have to say I don't think more oversight is the answer. I think that this is a self-regulating issue where your resume is your certification. But, but the problem is, and I agree with you, Thomas, to an extent. If I, if I need to hire a developer today, I know how to hire a good developer. I know how to hire a developer who won't create crap code. However, if I was a less scrupulous design firm, and I have Walmart coming to me saying, hey, we're going to give you a quarter of a million dollars to design a new website for me, can you get it done in three weeks or three months? And I'm going to say, yeah, you know, I'll just bring on 10 developers and I don't really care how good they are. So they're going to be working credit cards and transit. I don't care. You're going to pay me a quarter of a million dollars. I'm going to find 10 of the cheapest developers I can get and we'll build something for you. And I think that's what you're trying to prevent. Well, I don't, I'll, I'll say, I, I think, I think, Walmart's a bad example. I think Equifax is the perfect example where their security was so bad across the board that it compromised all Americans' data. And, and again, self-regulation failed because probably because somebody was too lazy in the hiring process or some, someone was too lazy in the management process. I, I think and it's somebody, somebody didn't lied. hire a licensed builder. Well, somebody didn't hire a licensed builder. So if I have somebody build a room on my house and I'm lazy and I don't confirm that they're actually a licensed carpenter, 
and they build something and the roof collapses and kills my kid. And I go to court and I say, well, I hired a carpenter and I thought he was licensed. And they say, well, there's no evidence showing that he's licensed. You didn't do your homework. I'm sorry for your loss, but you have no lawsuit. That's what we would be talking about with Equifax. We would go to Equifax and say, show us your licensed developers. Well, we just assumed they were licensed. We didn't really confirm it. Well, guess what? Now this is on you. You know, what you thought you owed, you owe 10 times as much. You have less of a defense. You have less of justification. And now you're in even deeper trouble because you didn't do your basic homework. But and it, I is, think it that, is on them. It's, I mean, it, even it, the current it, system. But do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I just don't, I, I don't think it's tenable. I don't think there's any but way. How, how, do you, how, how do you feel the self-regulating approach is working? Because it, in my eyes, it's not. Self-regulating is not working. We have hundreds of terrible developers out there. Either knowingly they're terrible or unknowingly they're terrible. But they're terrible developers. And they're getting huge contracts. They're working for companies that are managing your health information. They're working for companies that are handling your credit card information, that are handling your bank statements, that are handling your retirement funds. These developers are out there with no regulation, with no oversight. And so I can we're say just that saying... there is kind of a thing like that. If you look at PCI compliance, um, that is a system of certification for credit card handling. Uh, if you want to process your own credit cards, you have to adhere to certain levels of PCI compliance. Um, when you're dealing with uh, medical data, you have to adhere to HIPAA regulations. So it's not necessarily that the person is getting certified, but the requirement is out there that certain security rules be followed for certain uh, significant ways of storing data. Now, my, my issue is that there are a lot of developers out there that, that program poorly or ignore security rules, but I don't think certification of a person for that is going to change anything. So why, why, why I, do you... I, I'm sorry, John. I don't, I don't think so either. I mean, just because you're certified doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Okay, so why do you feel like we need the certification for plumbers, for builders, for doctors... I mean, why don't they self-regulate? Because it's life and death. For a plumber? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, electricians, plumbers. For, for electricians, know. it is life and death. You, you can Very say it's so. life and death with developers as well, Thomas. I mean, it, to show, show me a life or death machine that's not running code, and then, <laughs> then I'll, I'll agree with you. But, but in, those, in those situations... There are government regulations that are required to be adhered to. Uh, in the case of automated cars, where it literally is life and death, they're working on legislation to require certain levels of testing for the automation systems and for uh, reviewing the code bases. For systems like MRIs, there are requirements for the code to go undergo review and to have safety procedures in place. Um, you know, there's a there's a classic story about one of the first x-ray machines that had code running on it was dumping out 10 times the dose of x-rays than it was supposed to, and that led to a law regulating how code in medical devices is handled. Um, and, and I think that's the only way that you could do it, was you could say, when working in this area of expertise, uh, you have to adhere to certain regulatory rules. Um, because as soon as there's a new coding language, then the the whole system of licensing doesn't work, you know? The, no, we, I, again, I already said that this is abstracted away from language. So, well, so new, langu new language introductions would not apply. It would be the, the practices around that, uh, practices around development. But there's types of things like like languages for uh, manipulating data that are not necessarily coding, they are queries. And mm -hmm. you would have to cover those as well, even though they're not coding. And I mean, in a certain way, you could look at, at plumbing and just say that it's uh, the same as uh, being an electrician, but with water instead of electrons. 
So, I mean, you wouldn't want those areas to overlap. You wouldn't want to be regulating somebody who shouldn't be regulated because they're typing in an entry on a search bar. But I, I just John, I don't think there's a John, I agree. We need we need certification. <laughs> let's 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 be the certification body and come up with it. Are you being sarcastic? Are you really agreeing with it's me? Are being, you agreeing? He's just being mean. I know. I feel like no. he's being mean to me. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think having some sort of knowing who you're hiring is a, a, a good thing. But, I mean, would you go as far to say in order to let, to take advantage of certain services or to get certain contracts, you would have to have a certification. Do you? Uh, would you agree? I mean, that's that? only going to that's only going to work within government. And yes, because as you can see, they they hire people. People get contracts that shouldn't. Look look at our voting systems that seem to be all broken. Mm -hmm. Or when they when the uh, the health insurance websites went live. They were fraught with with errors because they people just want government contracts because it seems like easy money, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be. It should be you're doing a job, and so let's make people accountable that way. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't know where I'm at. I mean, I I I I I, I try. I know I wouldn't be where I am today if there was some sort of regulations in place that required me to get some level level certification, I say I don't, I wouldn't be, but I don't know. Um, because I did actually go get certified to get me started in this, in this industry. But mm -hmm. at the same time, when I start to think about it logically, and when I start to think about where this sort of certification or, you know, requirement is for other industries, does start to make a lot of sense. And again, we're not saying you can't develop unless you are certified. We're just saying you can't say you're a, a certified Ford dealership or Ford repair shop unless you're certified Ford repair shop. You know, it's, you can't, you yeah. can't do certain you can't get certain building contracts unless you have certain certification. And it just seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, it, you go back to the Microsoft one, there was so many levels and so many specialties within that. So it's not like you were Microsoft certified. Yeah, you got the very basic one pretty easily. And then you could build on that. I mm -hmm. am, You are web certified or security certified certified you you understand um, and, and and those you understand the OWASP top 10 or you know things like that and those certifications are still out there and like you said there are php specific certifications or database specific certifications and you know if we were ever in a position where we were looking for certified uh developers you know i mean we have that option so i mean those are still out there it's just Deciding on saying, okay, here's a minimal baseline of of somebody understanding cybersecurity that that has to be adhered to, or something like that. I don't know. And like you said, it, you just start to overregulate, and then everybody, you know, everybody wants to get in. Cisco wants to wants to get in and say, okay, we'll we'll come up with the certification, and then Oracle says, no, 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 we'll come up with the certification, and then. Somebody in the government's auto pool say, no, we'll do it because, you know, automobiles and we're government and it'll just end up broken anyways. But, but I'm torn on the topic. I mean, I, you know, we, we talk about ethics all the time with, with, within our industry. And this is one of those ways that you would enforce ethics. And well, what about, Basic security, cybersecurity education in school. Well, what about? Yeah, I, I think it should be taught. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. You know, Russia, Russia. The reason that Russia is 
the hacking <clears throat> nation is because they have fundamental computer education as part of their basic school curriculum. Well, in these schools that require a foreign language, I think programming should be recognized as a foreign language. And I think programming should be, a, I think everybody should understand the basics of programming. You don't maybe, have to. Maybe your code is a foreign language. <laughs> you don't have to be, you don't have to become a programmer, but understanding the basic concepts of programming of, like you said, cybersecurity, that needs to become part of the curriculum. I mean, computers aren't becoming less important. Computers aren't going away. They're not They're not going to say, well, we're not worried about that because in 10 years, nobody's going to need to know any of this inf information anymore. We should, we should be building a curriculum around cyber life that's required for people to, to, to take in school, including touching on programming, coding, security, social, the social aspect of it. Um, yeah, I feel like that, that, that's a given. I don't know. I think the idea is nice, but I don't, I don't see it as doable. Um, but at the same time, if you were to unionize uh, programmers, you might have something there. Being hmm. a member of a union could serve as the same thing, where hmm. you're represented by your union, and if you do something that is bad or inappropriate, the union drops you, and you lose that union membership. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting approach. Do you think anyone listening is still awake? I'm surprised you are. I just flipped over here and just saw you nod <laughs> off. He's still there. It's, it's surprising. Oh, crap, the camera's still on me. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think um, doing, it, doing it as a union system would, would solve two problems, which is the union representation and pay in programming, and as well as that sort of certification. And All right, time to move on. Validity. <laughs> Yeah, nope. Time to move on. Why? What do you have? Nothing. Don't want to talk. <laughs> Did you just tell us to move about... on and you don't have a topic to move on to? It was a joke because he's talking about <laughs> having to pay all the developers the same thing. Not the same. Uh, uh, I'm, I believe yeah. in, in meritocratic pay. Meritocratic? That'll get, um, me, that'll get me yelled at. That was a, that was yeah. a big word. All right. Well, I do. I do. I think we we probably beat that uh, that topic into the ground. I would be curious though if anybody is listening to this. Um, if you are you know, want to let us know your opinion, hit us up on Twitter. If you at PHP Ugly on Twitter, uh, it'll, all of us should get notifications. But all of us also have handles: Showcom, uh, John Congbin, Real Right Out, all on Twitter. Um, or join us in our Discord, and uh, like I said, we had a we had a lively discussion about it for uh, a good day and a half, I think, um, a couple days ago. So uh, feel free to pop into our Discord and uh, bring the topic up again, or you know, let us know what you think. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I've steered this ship into the iceberg. I think we're done. anybody Anybody have anything else you want to talk about? Well, I'm... Did you go have a margarita with your daughter? I'm sorry, what was that, John? Did you go and have a margarita with your daughter? A margarita? No. Huh. We, uh... Not... We, oh, are, you looking... are you looking at Facebook? I am. Uh, I took her to a baseball game, and I have a little, uh, a little gin spirits bar I go to. So they have gins and bourbons and stuff. Uh, it's right outside the ballpark and it's like hidden away. Like nobody knows it's there except for the people who crowd the bar. And, uh, I took, uh, took her there who my daughter's 21. She's old enough now and introduced her to a few bourbons and gins. And, uh, we had a good time before, before the ball game. I am, I am, I bought a 20 pack of baseball tickets this year and I am thoroughly enjoying going to the ball game. I, 
I didn't think I would, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, so. God knows how you hate baseball. <laughs> baseball! All right. Yes, I had a few drinks drinks with the kid the other other night, which is so bizarre. Oh, okay. So we're gonna weird. we're we're gonna wrap this up. But you want to hear something super super weird? Yes. Take yes. your time. Take your time answering. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let, let, let me. Uh, let, let's finish up the show, and I'll tell you afterwards. No, no. This is bizarre. So, uh, my. Where should I start this story? My my daughter. So I have twin daughters, um, and one of them went up to Sacramento uh, a week ago, or not a week ago, a couple days ago. Ended up meeting up with my high school chemistry teacher from when I, I went to high story. school. It was so sur- she is not that old. No, she was a very young uh, chemistry teacher when I was in high school. So the whole story is um, this particular teacher uh, probably became my wife and I's first adult friends uh, after high school. So my my wife my my wife had you know some things going on, and she ended up moving out of her dad's house the last uh, few months of her senior year. Moved in with this chemistry teacher who just happened to be my chemistry teacher at the time. Um, and, uh, of course, nobody at school knew it. It was a big secret and this and that. Well, my wife and I start dating. We start getting friendly. And turns out this chemistry teacher was encouraging my wife, saying, Hey, I know Eric. He's a good kid. You should think about dating him. So we start dating. Of course, I find out. My wife is actually living with my chemistry teacher at the time. And uh, we graduate high school. We start to go to college. My wife ends up moving in with me at my parents' house before we got married. And um, the chemistry teacher remained our good friend. So much so that she was supposed to be in our wedding. That's how close she had gotten. Now, it turns out that chemistry teacher moves to San Diego uh, about a month or two before we got married. So as a result, she wasn't able to be in our wedding. Well, fast forward two years later, after my wife and I are married, that chemistry teacher who we've stayed in contact with reaches out to us and says, Hey, loving life in San Diego. I wish you guys were here. You know, I would find jobs for you and, you know, let you guys start to work out here. And my wife and I were like, well, we're looking for a change. Would you mind if we came out? And we come out there. Again, she hires my wife right off the bat because she's running a lab for a circuit board company at the time. She's running a lab. She hires my wife. She gets me a job. And again, we rekindle our friendship and we hang out for a while. And this is through our early 20s. And then I guess when we were about 25 or so, um, she moves off. She she actually breaks, her relationship uh, that she's in breaks up, and she moves out of state. And we completely lose uh, touch with her. And then just out of the blue, we learn she's up in Sacramento, and she, my wife and her make contact again. And just out of luck, my daughter is going up to Sacramento for a conference, and she was about an hour and a half outside Sacramento. She drives an hour and a half to meet my daughter, who she has never met before, who she knows nothing about, takes her to dinner. And it was like the craziest thing. So now we've we've reestablished this uh, this friendship. And it's it's like it's like we were never apart. It, it, you know, it took us about you know, an hour to catch up with with each other's lives. And now every day my wife and her are texting. She's texting my daughter now. And we're already talking about flying up to Sacramento. She she's she owns a winery up there. So it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll be up there. We'll come up. <laughs> How sounds, crazy is that? It sounds like you guys <laughs> have crazy. some really special chemistry together. Crazy life, man. I Can't... see what you did there. <laughs> I don't think Eric even heard. 
<laughs> he's he's still processing it. No, it was funny. She was actually the person, I, what I was going to say, she's actually the person, John, who taught me racquetball. Oh, really? Yeah, she's the first one who, she introduced me to racquetball and the rules of racquetball. And, yeah. So, okay, that's it. We're done. Show's over. That was way too much personal information about me and my family. I apologize. I hope somebody listening to the show appreciated what they heard today. Any questions, hit us up on Twitter, join our Discord, but that's it. Episode 154 is done. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it up, Ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.